Hi, Jeff Cooper here, Classic Christian Rock Radio, and this is the Time Machine program, and we're going to get something settled right from the start. I was talking to Mr. Bill, the station manager, last night, and you tell me, Bryn, if I've got it right. It's Bryn Haworth. That's right. Bryn there Haworth, you go. Yeah. So here we go. So, Bryn, uh, <laughs> how many different variations of your name have you heard over the years? Uh, well, it keeps adding to them i mean there's been uh ben howard that was one for one and then uh, brian hawthorne of course <laughs> ladies and gentlemen would you welcome to the stage brian hawthorne you look around you think who's that you know? but there's um yeah it's it's just i think if I was called Hayworth, I think mm-hmm. it might be a bit easier. But then he'd still call me Brian. But, yeah. Because but Bryn is a Welsh a Welsh name. It's very common in Wales. Right. It, it mean it means hill. Yeah. So in, in Wales, there's lots of hills, and so yeah. there's lots of Bryns. And isn't Bryn Bryn is Irish as well? No. I don't think so. I no. think I think uh, the main I think one is is Welsh Bryn B O I N. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my full name, I was born in Belfast, Northern Ireland, by the way, and oh. uh, immigrated over here. So my full name is Wallace Jeffrey Cooper, but it's right. go by Jeff. So you know the story. You, you, you name yourself after, or your parents name you after all the uncles, so everybody's happy or something. Uh, very, yeah. very British, I think. Um, okay, so I used to call you way back, I think it just because I look at an album way, way back and say Brian Hayworth. And mm. I don't know, just because you're lazy, you don't look, oh, there's no A in there. And if in Canada it was Hayworth, we'd have a Y in there. So that's where I would have got that. Yeah. Anyway, let's get started. Um, let's go back to the beginning here. What age did you start in music? Uh, well, I got a guitar when I was 11 for Christmas, and I, I pestered my parents for a couple of years because uh, it was in the 50s, late 50s, and, um, you know, rock and roll was just just really coming to the fore and uh, there's a lot of guitar bass groups on the scene and and I was looking at this and I was thinking oh I'd love a guitar but uh, I had to wait a couple of years and then uh, I got one for Christmas but it, unfortunately it was a classical guitar and I wanted a, I wanted one of those red electric mm-hmm. guitars you know, yeah. that I've been seeing and so mm-hmm. I was a bit disappointed but the deal was uh, that I had to learn how to play it properly that was my parents mm-hmm. deal said look if we're going to get you a guitar you're going to have to learn to play it properly and so i kind of went oh okay but and so they sent me off to lessons and uh, the the guy who had taught me for for a year that's all i really went for was a classical guitar player mm-hmm. and he sat me down in and um, about three foot away from him and uh, he was about he looked really old. He's probably about fifty. <laughs> yeah. But he, but he's played this song uh, called "The Fire Dance" by Ferdinand Soar, which is a classical piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I was just blown away. I thought I never knew a guitar could do this. Yeah. You know, just the fire and the emotion that came out of what he was doing, and I was hooked. And so I really knuckled down and I did my best to learn. Mm-hmm. The way that he taught me for the year, but it's basically classical, classical right. music, you know. Good. So that's where I started. Yeah. Did you get together with friends that played music as well and put little bands together, like uh, a lot of people growing up in the garage? Well, no. Uh, I mean, the main thing. I had a younger brother 
uh, and an older sister. And my my brother was really more interested in drums, and he's still he's a drummer now. Yeah. He still he yeah. still drums for a living. Awesome. And my sister and my sister sang, and so the three of us would just make music. And uh, my mother was was very musical too. So that you know the the early days that we just play at uh, little events or family events. Terrific. Yeah. I heard a rumor that you ventured into surf music a little bit. Is that true? Like the uh, shadows and adventures, that kind of thing. Well, again, that when music uh, in that late fifties time, that you, you would have things like you know you American music, um, the adventures, and uh, you'd have the shadows, Kevin the shadows, and yeah. you'd have. But um, really. Uh, um, there was all sorts of influences then. There was like Elvis, was Little Richard, was Eddie Cochran, yeah, and uh, and then the Beatles came out, which which was really a game changer for for us because I was from the northwest of England, Lancashire, and uh, these they were a northwest band, and uh, they wrote their own songs, and I I saw them play live, you know, in in my hometown, and, mm. and you think when you see people like that doing. You think, well, I, I can do that too. So you yeah. think anything is possible. And you think, well, I can play and write songs. So, but anyway, I, I was in bands. I had, I was in bands from the time I was fourteen. I was, I was in three or four bands in mm -hmm. my town, my local area, and we were, we were gigging from age fourteen. Wow. Yeah. Too young to get in, but still young. <laughs> they let you in anyway, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, you played with Cliff Richard? I know uh, on stage. Were you part of the Shadows, or was that just part of his touring band? No, this was much later on. This was seventy six, seven, and uh, I joined his band. He 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 asked me to come and uh, be part of his band, and, and we went. And I, I was a guitar player in his band. Yeah. Uh, on there was an album called "I'm Nearly Famous." And right. Okay. But that kind, of, that album kind of really broke him back into mainstream again because yeah. he'd been out a bit. But we went and toured Australia, New Zealand, and um, and then we had this run at the Palladium, mm -hmm. London Palladium in England, and uh, I, so I did that little stretch with him. Yeah, I've got that album yeah. in front of me. I should pull that out and we'll make sure we use a song from it. Uh, mm -hmm. Great stuff. Um, so you toured with uh, different bands, any that we would know of, or uh, I know you were on stage and open for many people we do know, like Jimi Hendrix and, and groups like that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, the 60s and 70s were the, were the best time for uh, playing, supporting people and playing with bands. I mean, the Jimi Hendrix thing is that I was in a band in London in 67 and um, uh, it was a, a you know three piece band, and we we had a residency in this club called the Speakeasy in the, in the, in London, and it's where all the like guys like the Beatles and mm -hmm. Eric Clapton, Jimi Hendrix would come in after their show to finish and stay up all night. Yeah, and uh, so we play, and I'd always keep uh, another guitar and an amp just in case somebody wanted to jam. And yeah. So 
we got lots of people coming up, but one night Jimmy Hendrix came in and he liked a solo that I'd done. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> nice. amazing. I know. Yeah. But he liked a solo I'd done and, uh, he bought me a drink. He bought me a rum and coke. Yeah. And we had a good, good talk and it was really interesting. Yeah. Talking to him and getting to know him a little bit. But I said to him, well, do you want to come up and jam? And he said, yeah, man. And Terrific. so I gave him my guitar. Yeah. Uh, I had two. Uh, I had a strap and a telecaster, and I gave him my strap, and uh, he turned it upside down because mm. it was strong, strong yeah. for me, but yeah. it was left-handed. And play, we we played it just like he, you know, like he was left-handed. You know, it's yeah. like uh, just like he he would. And there was no trouble, and mm -hmm. um, we played um, stuff like Purple Haze. And, Mm -hmm. All this stuff. It was really good. It's good memory. That yeah, was a good yeah. memory. And you got your guitar but, back in one piece, right? Oh yeah, I didn't smash it up. <laughs> it just played. Oh. But those days, you know, we there was the people. You know, we supported the Beach Boys. We had, yeah. they had did a tour in the sixties. Yeah. In England, and uh, when I went to live in America, I was tour. We supported people like said Led Zeppelin, Jefferson Airplane. Wow. Uh, T-Rex, we supported the, yeah. them for a whole tour in America. Cream, we supported, and uh, Mountain, Leslie West Mountain, you know, Moody Blues, all the, there's loads of them, you know. Beautiful. Just named off all, all, my, all my musical heroes. You just named them all, I think. That's <laughs> great. It was a great time. The 60s and 70s there, yeah. was a great time. Yeah. yeah, there's never been another like it, I don't think. No. We'll get into that a little bit later. We talk a little bit about the music uh, industry a little. But um, what initiated your involvement in Christian music? Like, were you uh, thinking, okay, we got to do something else here? How does someone get in from a rock and roll lifestyle and all that? How does someone get into Christian music out of the blue? <laughs> well, I got saved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Powerfully. Tell us about that. Uh, well, for, for me, um, Oh gosh, long story, short story. Oh, give us a for long me, one. But anyway, for me, <laughs> it was a radical turnaround for my life, really, because after about three years of asking questions, you know, you know, I'm trying to adjust my lifestyle, because I was thinking, I was asking, you know, is there a God? You know, is, is God there? And if you are God, how do you, how do we get to know you? Mm -hmm. You know, I just all this thing, and then I suddenly thought, well. If he is there, then I'm in big trouble because he doesn't. He probably doesn't like people who uh, do, you know, smoke dope and drink, and yep. play rock and roll, and uh, have a wild lifestyle, which yeah. was which was me, you know. But I'd been asking questions, and I thought, well, if he is there, then I better make myself good. And mm -hmm. then, so I stopped drinking, stopped smoking, and became a vegetarian, mm -hmm. and all these things, trying to make myself <laughs> pure, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't find, I, you know, we gave our money away because we thought that's what God would like. We, like, we fasted, and, mm -hmm. but I just, we just got very poor, very thin, very quickly. Yeah. And uh, and I thought, stop this for a while. I'm going back to drinking <laughs> and smoking again. Yeah. Don't, you know, what I want to know is if God is real. And, yeah. And uh, and this, I mean, I felt a bit better physically, but I didn't answer my question. I still didn't know God, and so really we. We just walked into, you know, into this tent meeting yeah. in the corner of a field, mm -hmm. and we heard about Jesus, my wife and I, for the first time, uh, and that was it. We heard that he was uh, the way to, you know, way the truth and the life, and that, and we, and that was it. We just gave our lives to him that night, and that was really the beginning of getting to know who 
he really was and, and how who he really is and how he feels about us and it's just it's just been this that's and so when you when this happens to you you know see really I'm a musician who discovered that there's a God and that he loves me and it's great news and when you find something like that you want to communicate yeah uh, you want to communicate and also I found that you know because I love music and I you know I am a musician and I, I love music and I didn't realize that it, it, it was a gift and that that a gift has a giver yeah and I, and I started to love the giver of mm-hmm. that gift more than the gift Amen. which was a real turnaround mm-hmm. And so I started writing songs that I wanted to communicate this, you know. I mean, I had been writing, searching songs before that. On on my first album, Let the Days Go By, uh, you know, there's a couple on there. There were real searching songs. But then the second album I made, I started to put more on. And there was was one on Sunnyside of the Street called Good Job. Yeah. Which is a really good, I I think it's a really good gospel. Mm Mm-hmm song and uh and so you know i write songs about life as well i don't always write about um directly about faith and christianity yeah but, uh, yeah were you aware of the, that's yeah sorry go ahead go on. i was just going to say were you aware of the christian music uh scene or that there was gospel music out there uh what uh, type of groups did you hear and what did well, you, were you thinking? Wasn't. no yeah, there wasn't there wasn't that, that label. Yeah, there wasn't that label at all. No, there wasn't Christian music. No, no CCM. Gospel. Yeah, black gospel, right? Black gospel. And when I got saved, I I thought I've, I've got to listen to something. Mm-hmm. And so all that I could listen to, I get the Five Live Boys. Yeah, uh, the, the Gospel Airs and on Andre Crouch. Yeah. And, Live at Carnegie Hall. When I heard that album, oh, I yeah. thought, yes. yes, I thought this is fantastic. Yeah, and so I would just be listening to black gospel music because that was similar to what I'd been doing. You know, the feel, the R and B type feel. Yeah, of the music that I've been playing, and mm-hmm. uh, so I didn't connect. I didn't know about. I didn't know about Larry Norman. I didn't know about um, anything else. Mm-hmm. So, so really, I, that was a, quite a few years later that I found out about Larry Norman. So yeah. I didn't know anything about the Christian scene, yeah. yeah, Christian music. I didn't know what, and I wouldn't call myself Christian music. No, just music, right? Because there was no label, right? Yeah, it's just music. Yeah, no, <laughs> I like that. I like that because a lot of a lot of bands, even today, are saying we're not a Christian rock band. We're just ba- a band. And we're rock, but we're also Christians. So there's a little yeah. bit of a difference, and uh, yeah. certainly nothing wrong with just going out and playing music. Um, no, no. But a lot of it tends to have a message just because, right? You sing probably sing about what you love and your interests. So obviously, if you're a Christian, that's the kind of things you're going to look at and touch. Mm. I would yeah, think. yeah. But also, you know, <clears throat> you, you you're given eyes, mm-hmm. new eyes, fresh eyes yeah. to see see life and see people see the creations to see you know damage done and yeah and all this thing and you, and you you recognize that that, that god wants to be uh, involved in this and bring healing restore people and so you you just get fresh eyes you know to see yeah. things so you can write about that as well for sure for sure um yeah so you've kind of answered my next question was did you stay in some of the same bands did you your lifestyle as a Christian uh, change 
a lot of things. Obviously, it did. Uh, but you didn't say, well, now we're a Christian band. You just happened to be writing about Christian things. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, uh, I was kind of fortunate to have solo record deals. Yes. So I, I, I did two albums with Ireland and I had two albums with A&M in yeah. the 70s. And so, so I was a solo artist, but I was able to um, hire musicians and have a, have a band to go out on tour with. Yeah. But, you know, I would just get the best musicians I could to tour with, whether, whatever they believed. It didn't, didn't really matter. I just wanted people that you could play well and you can get on with, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's what that's what you want in a band, is because yeah. you're stuck together in a traveling very close proximity. You need to be able to get on. Yeah. And um, so I just got the best musicians I could yeah. to, to tour with. And, uh, and so I was, in, I suppose it was a fortunate decision that, I was able to uh, have solo albums. Yeah. I'm looking at one right now. I had it on top. You're ready to go. Uh, it's uh, it's called uh, Larry Norman Presents Bryn Haworth, The Gap. Now, is this was this album uh, done before you had met Larry Norman? Uh, how did he get involved with this album? Uh, was he just helping you promote it? Well, uh, Larry, uh, basically, I... I did my last album for A and M, which was called The Grand Arrival, in right. '79. Yeah, and um, after that, I realised that, that I needed to, if I wanted to carry on this route of just being being able to express myself, uh, express what I wanted to sing and say, I realised that it it actually wasn't very fair on the record company hmm. to, to, you know, because they're just in the business of selling. Right product and, and yep. if you're singing about stuff like jesus coming again mm-hmm. on, a, on a secular label it is it, a bit of a, yeah <laughs> it's a yeah. bit of a conundrum for them yeah i mean i, I remember that one one night um i was recording that album and uh at the the record company sent uh, one of the publishers around just to say look Ray, if you change the lyrics of this song you could have a hit yeah you know if you just if you would just change it a bit and i thought this is incredible. This is really interesting. And I, but I just saw it from their point of view. That yeah. They really just wanted to sell stuff, and they realized that it could sell. Yeah. But the lyric, the lyric wasn't right. Right. And so I thought, well, fair enough. And I thought, well, the next time I make an album, I'm going to have to find a label that will give me the freedom to, to, to sing what I want to sing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and uh, so at that time, there was a label called Chapel Lane that had just started up in and uh, they didn't have any acts. They admit, uh, and I really, I, I was, I think I was one of the first to record with them. And they had, a, they had Norman Barrett, who was a mm-hmm. yeah. English guy, guitar player. Yeah. Sheila Walsh actually. Yeah. She came on board as well. But um, I met Larry round about that time, just after the album was was finished, and he he really liked that album. Um, and wanted to promote it in America. Yeah. So that's that hence you have Larry Norman yeah, presents. There you go. Well that's good. There's it, more yeah. Yeah, it caught my eye right away. So I mean Larry Norman obviously so okay. Then the next yeah. thing that caught my eye reading the back here, uh the Eric Clapton band. Uh, they're basically their rhythm section, right? Uh, how did that uh, come about? Was it a group that you had also were involved with or were they just a, the studio musicians? Um, I'd, um, 
I, in the recording of uh, an album called Keep the Ball Rolling, mm -hmm. which was the first A&M album, um, uh, I, I was working, I was a session guitar player too, so I would I'd work on yeah. other people's albums, yeah. and I did an album with a, a girl called Chiona Oma Trading, mm -hmm. and, and um, that was her first big album, I think. And I met uh, Dave Marquis, who was, who was the bass player, big session bass player at that time, and, and Henry Spinetti, who was a drummer, too. And they they were on that album, and I did other albums with them. And then, so when I came to do my album, I said, let's use Dave and Henry yeah. as, as the uh, bass and drums. Now they'd they'd started to play with with Eric yeah. as well, and uh, the, the keyboard player Chris Tainton. He was also with. He's still with Eric. Mm. Uh, I'd, I'd worked with on uh, Sunny Side of the Street. He was on that album, uh, and um, I really enjoyed working with him. And uh, so those th those three guys, you know, I wanted to on the album. So I asked them, and they came to play. But Dave, Dave, and Henry. Uh, became believers yeah. during the recording. Became the record during the recording of Keep the Ball Rolling wow. because uh, the spirit of God really fell on them um, in the midst of recording. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we went to the pub and, and uh, for some reason for at lunch and for some reason I ended up talking about the cross and I don't wow. know why, but yeah. But anyway, they they got it and and yeah. I'd never seen. So we were, we were walking back. To, to record into this studio and, and I'd never seen this before this was early on in my Christian experience and I, uh, but the power of God really hit them and they couldn't walk properly mm. and they were laughing and crying at the same time and I thought well I know they haven't smoked any dope right. so there's something else something going, going on. on yeah and um, so it was just that, that that move of God upon their lives and uh, they had a real Powerful experience, and so, wow. so Dave and Henry were were believers. Yeah, doing the gap, doing the gap. Awesome, yeah. great. It's a great album. Another album you mentioned, uh, the Grand Arrival. Um, of course, that's about the second coming of the Lord. So you could sing about Jesus coming back. Uh, I just have to ask you: Is it the Imperials on there with you? Yeah, I thought yeah. so. I recognize the harmonies so. Um, mm -hmm. I thought either them were Gaither Vocal Band, but I think it says that they're, they're on the credits there. I have lo yeah. lost the album, so I can't look at it, but uh, I have to find it again. <laughs> I had it at one time. And, and there's a girl, the, the lady called, I think it's Skeeter Davis, I think. Oh. She went, you know that one? Don't they know it's the end of the Right, world? absolutely. That's right. She, yeah. she did that one. I think she's called Skeeter yeah. Davis. It ended but, when but she, I lost your yeah. love, right? <laughs> yeah, but she, yeah. she was on that. She was singing with the Imperials on that track, wow. too. Wow, <laughs> terrific. Oh, that's, that's a yeah. good one. Yeah, we've got, to, we've got to get a few of your albums in our uh, library, so you'll be looking on yeah. your website for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see here then. So do you prefer live or studio work? What is it, your preference as a musician? Uh, uh, well, I like, I like live work, really. I, I've, yeah. I've always liked live work because I, I just like the transients, you know, that it's here now and it's yeah. gone. Yeah. But the hard thing with recording is that you, you never feel it's finished. Right. You know, there's, there's an old 
my, my brother-in-law, he's French, and he, he told me this story about in, in Paris, there's a, there's a really nice art museum called Musée d'Orsay, mm-hmm. and they and uh, they have uh, Manet and uh, all the really great French painters in there, and there's a lot of guards, police guards, uh, yeah. around in each room. Yeah. And uh, Jean Pierre said to me, um, he said, "Why do you think there's so many guards outside?" And I said, "And I said, I don't know. They just keep." He says, "No, it's to stop the artist trying to get back in to finish them, finish his painting." And I like that story because <laughs> you think, you know, yeah. you do something yeah. and, and you do it to the best you can, but you think, God, I would like to do that again. I'd yeah. like to try this again. Yeah. So they're never flipping finished. Yeah. Um, you just have to let them go. Yeah. Uh, but with live work, it's it's here now. And yeah. It's, it's happening and then it's finished. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. You know? And even, so I like live work. Yeah, and even if you record the live, you still sometimes go back and add a guitar that was missing or out of tune or something. So yeah, I agree. The live experience is never you never can catch it again um, no. the same way. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You reminded me of the happy painter. I don't know if you got him over there, and he was always showing you how to paint a drawing. And I always thought yeah. he was finished, and he just kept. I said, "No, that's good. That looks really good. Leave it there." And he, by yeah. the time he was done, it was really something. But it could have been fun, finished about ten or twenty times before he was done. From most eyes, yeah. so uh, yeah. it's funny. <laughs> yeah. um, what are some of your favorite songs to play? Uh, well, I like. Um I mean, because I've written a lot of songs over the years, and so um, it's nice at this time in your life when you're, you're still gigging, you're able to play songs that you've written a while ago, uh, but change them a little bit, yeah. make them suit your voice or suit the way you are now. So, you know, I, I mean, I've been doing stuff lately. I've been doing, it could have been me, that that was on the gap. I haven't yeah. done that for years. Yeah. But it seems it seems to have come around. It seems to be more relevant now. Yeah. And uh, I've been doing a song from the Keep the Ball Rolling album called First Time. Mm-hmm. First time I'm free for the first time in my life. And so it's just doing it differently. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you know, some of the old songs get uh, a new life. You know, because because they just they just feel like you're singing something that needs to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, I. I, I just uh, really like to do whatever I like to do, really, yeah. song-wise. Yeah. Well, I've always liked your song, We're, We're All One. We have Sheila yeah. Walsh's version of it, but we need to get yours in our library, too. It's uh, a great classic uh, classic rockin' song. Uh, very celebrate. Sibli- what's the word? Celebratory, you know? And I think yeah. we need to hear that today, if <laughs> of all days. Yeah. Today, we need to be more together than separate. So how are we all one in, in reference to this song? What does it actually mean to be one? Well, well, the, it was written mm-hmm. at the time when uh, of the Troubles in Ireland. Mm-hmm. I know. So yeah. you had all, all, the, all this killing, you yep. know, and killing. You know, you've got Catholics and Protestants. Yeah. They were killing each other in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And I just, you know, being a new Christian, I thought, how can this be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that was part of it. Yeah. But as it's gone on, uh, you know, like today, you know, I've just just been struck with the lack of unity in the world today because because it's like there's it's it's like this rise in nationalism. Politicians can't agree, religions can't agree, yeah. countries, nations, people groups, families, 
And I was, I was looking for something that the world could agree on, say it's like the environment, but not even that. You know, there's, there's, unity is impossible for this world. Mm. But it, for me, uh, this is why I've been starting to do this song again. Yeah. Because it presents an amazing opportunity for the church today to answer Jesus' prayer for us believers to become one in heart and mind. You know, in John 17, when he prays for us, that we will become one in unity. Because then he says that the world will, will know that God has sent the Son Amen. and has loved us, even as the Father has loved me. He said that. So when the world sees the church loving one another and giving glory to Jesus, they'll, they'll have to say, this is a miracle, mm -hmm. you know, because nowhere else in the world can people agree. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just keep thinking, let's not wait for some shiny world leader to come along and, and bring a false peace. You know, yeah. let's, let's know nothing but Christ crucified and risen from the dead and, yes. and get on and love one another. I think the thing is that you have to humble yourself to the task, yeah. really, of, of loving one another like Jesus commanded to, to us. You have to humble yourself to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's really, really important because it's uh, you know it's that thing of how good and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity. You better believe it. Because there yeah. the Lord commands the blessing, and if this is what Jesus said, if if if, if the world can see something mm -hmm. that there's unity, they'll go. This is impossible. We know it's impossible. It's not happening in the world, but in the church, yeah. it's happening. Yeah. No, absolutely. Anyway. You got that right. Absolutely. Um, another great tune. I can do all things, taken right from Philippians. I can do all things in Christ. Um, some people may take that well. I can do anything. So what, what does that actually mean? I can do all things. Well, uh, really, there's several things about that one. I, I think... I think for for me, it's like the, for the first year that I, I've been a Christian, you know, I basically I carried on smoking dope because, yeah. it, you know, smoking dope was a, a daily habit for me yeah. uh, for many years. And, uh, you know, I couldn't play guitar unless I got high. Mm. That was my habit. Yeah. That's what I used to do mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. But, but one day, you know, I was just rolling a joint and these words came into my, mm. my mind, were, which were, why are you still using batteries if you're supposed to be plugged into the main? Yeah, yeah. And I was really challenged by that. And I thought, well, that's right. You know, I'm a hypocrite, basically. I'm supposed to be plugged into the mains now. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still, you know, the power of God. Yes. And I'm still using dope. Yeah. You know, so I thought, well, if this thing is true, if this power, if there is power to live a new way, then I need to throw this stuff away. Yeah. And so I gathered all this dope we had, and it was really good, good dope. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and so I threw it. We had a storm drain outside our house, yeah. and I got the loss of it, and I just chucked it all down this really deep storm drain <laughs> so I couldn't get it back. Yeah. And said, so, right, if God is God, and I'm plugged into the Creator now, then this has got to work. Yeah. Uh, and I got to admit, it was really hard for a few months. But yes. I, I would, I would just pray, and I'd just take it to him. I said, "Lord, help me to play." Mm -hmm. And I started to find verses in the Bible that were practical that I could use to help me live in a new way. And this was one of them: Philippians four thirteen, "I can do all things through Christ." Yeah. You know? And then I would come across other ones: "My help comes from the Lord." You know, Psalm one hundred twenty one, yes. "Made heaven and earth." And the other one, it, which was good, in my weakness, your strength is made perfect. Yes. One comes from 10, 18. And I was going, uh, I've got to find a new strength, a new way to live. 
And if you're the source of my strength, not dope, then I've got to get it from you. And then the, the, the I think the one that really got me was Son of Solomon, one verse two. It says, "Your love is better than the wine." I thought, well, mm -hmm. his love has got to be better than the thing I'm tempted to do. Yes. So basically, every time I was tempted again, just to just to fall back on smoking and getting getting high and all that, I just thought I just would stop and I go, no, your love mm -hmm. is better than this. Yeah. And I found that it was, and you know, I don't have to get high anymore to oh, play. No. But this is the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, yeah. and He's still working on obviously on other areas. Yeah. But, um, that that was part of that. The, why that song came mm -hmm. and uh, it was sung and it's obviously there's there's other elements to it but yes i'm not just i'm not just taking cherry picking scriptures <clears throat> no no this is something that that i've found yeah that i can i can, you know that, that he is a source of our strength and our power and our life mm -hmm. so whatever hard things you're going through good things you're going through you can find strength especially when you feel weak yes that it's not a bad it, it's a great place to be because that's that's when you you get you can draw on the power of god in your life and uh and so, so so when you feel weak especially as you get older you you feel there's a lot of vulnerability and a lot of weakness you feel physically and everything in other ways mm -hmm. that, that you that you can lean on God and, and receive His power and strength. And yes. It's okay to feel weak. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's what it's trying to say. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. a long answer. But... That's great. <laughs> Another a great tune I really like uh, for the obvious reason: "Reeling and a Rockin'." Uh, very mm. good blues influence. Uh, I could I can see Eric Clapton actually covering the song too. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that one. It's a good fun song. Well, I got an album called uh, Right Out of Church by Mahalia Jackson, mm -hmm. and um, it's a double album, yeah. final, years and years ago, and I just loved that. I play that a lot, and uh, she had that song really in a rocking she did. on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. and um, <clears throat> it was just her and a piano and a drummer, and uh, I thought this is adaptable. Mm -hmm. This is this could this could work as a, a slide guitar song or rock and roll Absolutely. song. Absolutely, and so I just just jiggled around with a bit a little bit but but it's basically i heard it her doing it too yeah that's how i got that's it great and slide guitar is your thing by the way so um uh instead of beer bottles what do you use now the, the little slider or do you hazard technique i, got, I, I like glass actually yeah. uh, glass bottlenecks that's what i always yeah 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 but um i mean in the old days you just have to make your own you get a wine bottle exactly yeah or a vinegar bottle and uh you, you find a way to break it and cut your hand off. <laughs> but but, um, but there wasn't, you couldn't buy commercial yeah. uh, bottlenecks, so you had to either take them to a glass maker and yeah. help them to understand you wanted to cut the neck off clean. Yeah. And But now you can buy really nice uh, uh, slides, diamond bottlenecks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, I, I use them a lot. There you go. Guitar players make notes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but on on some instruments I'll use a brass slide, yep. uh, uh, because it just suits the guitar. On on other other instruments I'll use yeah. a ceramic slide. It's just you 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 get your instrument and you you experiment, see see what sounds best. Yeah, what, it's a lot of like yeah, it's a lot of experimentation. I imagine the first one who ever tried it said, "Wow, this sounds nice." 
uh, yeah. all blues uh, yeah. with his him drinking his beer, I guess. Maybe he was sliding it along there. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great sound. Great, great technique. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess, I don't know if there's a lot of people do it anymore, but I always loved it doing um, Omen Brothers and that kind of influence. Mm. I wrote a song called Slide Don't Fret mm-hmm. um, th- that tells you how to play slide guitar. Great. So if you ever find that one, yeah. Slide Don't Fret, it's, it's not titled in album, yeah. and uh, it's, it's basically how to, how to play slide. If it's out there, Mr. <laughs> Bill will find it. He finds some great songs that I didn't know existed for some of these interviews, so don't be surprised if he finds it somewhere. Uh, another one, I guess, uh, to, to tie up the, the song list I have, Teach Me Your Way. Uh, obviously, uh, you've done a lot of that with talking to God about teach me how to be a Christian. It's not easy. It, there's all these things that, uh, you know, try, frank, frankly feel good and, and uh, uh, we think they satisfy for a while. And uh, that's what people struggle with. I think um, to become a Christian, they know you have to, uh, give up things, but there's some things you just have to adjust and not necessarily give them up. Yeah. Well, I, I think for, for me, it's not about, um, it, it's more about responding yeah. to being loved. You know, that I think yeah. for me, the basic, we, we love because he first loved them. And it's like, yeah. uh, it's not about do's and don'ts for me, right. Christianity. It's, it's more about responding to being loved. I like that. And so, you know, from that point, you the, you get a desire for holiness. You get a desire for sanctification. You know, even you know to be made. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's this. I think the scripture is in two Corinthians three eighteen. It says God's plan is that we should be changed from one degree of glory to another. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that we have a a part to play in that that uh, sanctification process. Yeah. And, and even uh, the thing is, even though we've been justified by our faith, there there is at the core of our being still a selfishness, yeah, yeah, and a sinfulness that we need to deal with mm-hmm. every day, yeah. every day. Yeah. And this is this is the process of being made holy, and we do it, we do it. I mean, it, it it's funny enough that there's, there's people that um, preach a different thing now, but mm-hmm. for me, uh-huh. I, I'm just very aware that. Um, of of myself, my nature, my selfish nature, yeah. and that I, there's a spiritual battle every day mm-hmm. that I have to put, you know, put on certain things every day yeah. and put off certain things to walk with God. You know, yeah. I need to I need to be changed. Mm-hmm. And this this song, "Teach Me Away," starts off, "I am wrong, you are right," which is a great place to be. Yeah. You you know, yeah. Lord, send me your word and teach me the way to life. Yeah, and uh, that that's the prayer in there is is just to make me like you want to you know change me. Yeah, make me more like you. And this process, I think the thing is that we have a a big part to play in that every day. By the way, yeah, the, by the way we you know we choose which way we're going to live. Yeah, what we're going to allow to tramp through our mind. You know, you don't want people's dirty feet walking through your mind. No, you want, no. You, you want to, you know, it's like, you know, with men, you know, I think particularly, you know, with, with impurity with women yeah. and things like that. Or yeah. If, if, you know, that you you need to, to see them, you know, as sisters. Not as, That's right. 
Yeah, exactly. You, you, it's just walk in purity yeah. with women and the mother, mothers as mothers. Yeah, you know, just, respect, you, right? You have to. Yeah, yeah, but but this this takes a change yeah. of attitude that you have to be on guard and you have to yeah. be careful that when you walk in life because you can be drawn into things mm-hmm. uh, that you need to you need to walk with him and and he's given us his word. There was another song that I wrote called "Make Us Holy," yeah. which had the same desire, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that it was in a church, the church that we were in for a while. We had this homeless guy who used to come in every Sunday. Yeah, and he and he really smelled bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he would sit there, near, you know, in the in the middle of the pew, okay. and nobody and I, nobody would sit next to oh. him. I know, and because he smelled so bad, yeah. and, it was, and I, I just felt. This is this is really wrong, and yeah. I just said, but I suddenly started to see him through Jesus' eyes, yeah. and and to me, uh, this guy represented the church. Yeah. You know, we smell bad mm-hmm. in his in God's nostrils. It wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. us. It, it was us who smelled bad because of because of our unloving attitudes yeah. towards this guy. Yeah. You know, we were trying to avoid him, but it, but God was going well. This is. You're the bad smell. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. this guy. I love. I love this guy. You know, get him. Get involved with yeah. him. You know, yeah. speak. Sit next to him. Yeah. So yeah. things like that, and so that inspired that song. Make his whole. That's awesome. Yeah. I was watching an interview last night, and you were talking a little bit about um, how the music industry has changed. We used to come home with that 45 or that album like I just pulled out here and there's all the lovely credits and everything. The music industry is so different now. Uh, how have you seen it changed? We've lost a lot as far as, I think it's coming back a bit with vinyl kind of taking a, a run again here. But how has it changed? Now everybody just wants to download the latest single. Yeah, that I think in the old... In the, old the olden days, well, back when, in my day, <laughs> when I started making making vinyl records, yeah, but uh, yeah. um, the you would you would buy an album and there were five tracks on each side, mm-hmm. and then you had the cover notes, and you'd actually sit down and listen yeah. to it. Whereas people don't sit down and listen to albums now; uh, they they just you know since uh, iTunes and things like that, you can you can cherry pick yeah. by by one song, and that's all you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I, I often think back to doing concerts. Um, first time I saw this happening was there was a, a lot of uh, school kids on the front row yeah. kind of thing, and they were eat, eating crisps, drinking coke, yeah. and uh, talking to each other while you were playing. You know, mm-hmm. and and I suddenly uh, the the tendency is, you know, listen to me, I'm playing, you know, yeah, I'm live, yeah, I'm here, yeah. you know, but. I suddenly realized that they were actually listening to mm-hmm. me, but they're just, this is just the way that they listen to music. Yeah. It's kind of like a wallpaper. It's yeah. a background thing yeah. to them. Yeah. You know, they just kind of absorb it, but it doesn't affect them yeah. uh, in the way that it affects somebody who sits down to listen to a piece of classical music. Right. Or they don't let it wash over them. And, and it's very difficult these days mm-hmm. um, to actually sit and listen to music unless yeah. you're doing a jigsaw yeah, or, or they're walking you know? uh, walking across the street with their headset on texting somebody and looking yeah. down at their phones yeah. and not even watching yeah. their where they're going <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and uh i think that the variety 
of music is is about you know how it's been narrowed down mm-hmm. as to what what there is available because there used to be such a wide variety of music to listen yeah. to, and it has been quite narrowed down. And people think, oh, I only like this kind of music. Yeah. Where uh, um, see, I was brought up in a house where all kinds of yeah. music was listened yeah. to. You know, my mom would come back with Elvis yeah. and, and Al Gore, <laughs> you know, Little Richard, yeah. you know, the Kingston Trio, and we'd sit down and listen to the stuff. And so I grew up thinking, well, all styles are good. Yeah. All music yeah. styles are good. Me too. And to be enjoyed and appreciated. Amen, yeah. yeah. But they don't have that now. No. I think what the hard thing where it's affected um, us as musicians is, uh, it's like for me, you know, it's like to, to do another record. It's an expensive hobby. Yeah. Because people expect music for free. Right. Because of stream, streaming, things like that. Uh, and they don't want to pay for it. I mean, I talk to kids and they haven't paid for any music no. in their life, in their lifetimes. No. They've never paid for any music. Crazy. And so, yeah. yeah. But this is the way it is. And so yeah. for me to put out another record, I have to invest thousands of pounds, yep. uh, but I know that I'm not going to get in anything back yeah, from that. Yeah. So it makes you think, well, why bother? Yeah. Why do it? You yeah. know, just write songs if you want to, and play them live. If you can still do, if you can still stand up to play gigs, and yeah. <laughs> uh, then then write songs for the, for those particular occasions. But but making CDs yeah. and. and records is a real loss leader. well that was my other question i was going to ask are there are there any re-releases or box sets in your future that just too much to do like it is takes a lot of doing and and well, not so much it, remasters I, but just yeah. you know stuff that hasn't yeah. been around for a while getting re-released yeah well there is the, um again you know the thing is there there isn't enough of an audience for me to, yeah. to warrant doing that yeah. because it, it would it cost me too much to do yeah. if there was lots of people wanted to buy it then great but yeah. there isn't and so you have to be realistic and um so i you know i just look at i'm just looking at that really now yeah. you know what's the best thing to do but i think in the in the long run i i just feel that if if there is music there that i really feel that i would like to get out mm-hmm. um i'll do it anyway yeah. you know yeah but um uh, not so much box sets and things no. like that. No, but if people want to get uh, some of your music, it's available on your website. Um, in, in yes. What, oh. Yeah. What form would we be looking at there? Well, you can do you can do downloads. Yep. You can do uh, download albums. You can buy physical CDs. Oh, that's good. Um, so it's all there. Yeah, good. Yeah. So people can go to uh, com. Is that it? Or dot dot yeah, uk right. dot dot com. Making sure because I know there's a few dots out there, so it is dot com. Just yeah. just go to that. Yeah, that's and you, good. You'll get on. Ex- yeah, music excellent. There. Yeah, I know I'll be going there shortly. So <laughs> good. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else did I want to know? So you still you don't still record much, but you do perform. Um, I do. I've, I I done. I did two albums in one year. Okay, good. Back in, but that was like 2015. Yeah. I, did, I recorded that's two, right. two at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Because I like, I really like the studio I was in, and I, and I knew it was a now or never thing. Yeah. So just so I did the Time Out, which is an album that uh, we give away free in prison. It's yeah. More focused for, for prisoners. Yeah. And then I did uh, an album called Rebel Man, mm-hmm. which is for for general release. Really. Yeah. 
What's your prison ministry like? You mentioned that. I was going to ask you, um, how did you get into that? Uh, what What do you do? Do you go to there with your guitar? Do you take a band? Uh, what's it like? No. Uh, well, I've been doing it, we've been doing it for about 30 years yeah, now. Yeah. So, and it wasn't something that I, I sought to do. I, I would say that I was called to do it through the reading of the Gospels, and I was eventually given an opportunity to do it. Um, and so I took it, and it's been wonderful yeah. for me. We've been going into prisons, uh, and we've seen some wonderful things happen. We've seen, we've seen the Lord do some wonderful things mm. in guys' lives, change mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. Physical healings have been, you know, just stuff that you, you're amazed to see. Because yeah. you went, really, I go in on the auspices of, of the chaplains. Right. So you, every prisoner is allowed an hour's worship of service, Great. whatever faith they are. Yeah. A week, yeah. a week, and so we go under the Anglican chaplains, and, and uh, so I'll do a couple of worship songs, and then I'll do a couple of my own songs. Mm -hmm. I do, I do a short ten-minute talk from from the Bible, and then couple, you know another worship song or two, and then make sure they've got enough time for prayer at the end. So yeah. we invite them to the front to come and get prayer for whatever they want. And they love it, know. don't they? They do. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. You did too. I, I used to go to the Salvation Army Church back in, and yeah. we used to take our worship team in and, uh, you know, some uh, young youth group in and uh, do yeah. services literally. And it was nothing like yeah. it. It's so undescribable feeling. There's one thing to do a church service and another thing to do a church service in the prison. And it just yeah, was an yeah. amazing. And like you say, praying with people, they're real people, they've mm -hmm. all got stories. They've all, yeah. you know, like you say, it could have been me, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we definitely, uh, true blessing from that. And it's one thing I'll never forget, never forget. Yeah, yeah. It's a level ground when, you, when you're going yeah. through, you because know, you, you you say this could have been me. Because yeah. I've, I've done things in my life, and the only difference is I just didn't get caught. Yes, that's right. And they did. That's right. And they did. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you say there, so. but by the grace of God, I just didn't yeah. get caught doing what, yeah, exactly. I also used to work um, for um, child services in, I guess, youth detention center, one-on-one -on -one work, and I used to yeah. go in myself and uh you know play games and cards and take take uh one or two of them out to football games and make sure they got back safely and uh great opportunity even though you weren't really allowed to you know give your beliefs i did anyway you know i played them my christian rock music and the car and it was yeah. it was great indirect ministry as well uh so yeah. i've certainly been involved in that over the years and like it's yeah. nothing like it. God bless you for doing it. It's it's not something for everybody. It's hard to do, no. but once you're in there, you, it, it's trust me, people. Anyone that's thinking thinking about it, um, yeah. you know, just ask people like Glenn Kaiser, Daryl Mansfield. They've all done it as well. Yeah. Nothing yeah. like it. True, true ministry. And even somebody quipped and said, "Yeah, you've got a captive audience." Well, literally, you do. So there they are. Yeah. And um, like I say, they're yeah. they've all got their story. And some of them are surprising, and um, don't judge before you hear some of the stories. No, at all. No, it could have been That's you. for sure. Yeah. It really could have been yeah. you. Yeah. So what else are you doing now? Um, where else do you play other than uh, prison ministry? You do worship, worship uh, workshops, I believe. Is that right? 
Uh, funny enough, I just, I just did one up. And he's he's like another Canadian. He's um he's called Sean Burhey, and he's mm-hmm. he's um he's the um, chaplain of this prison yeah. up in, uh, in up north. And uh, I just did a, a worship um, day for there were some prisoners there because they you know they learned to do worship. Yes. Too, but it was mainly for uh, people who were involved in leading worship in prison or, yeah. or a ministry in prison. Yeah. So we did a day there. But I haven't really... I mean, I, I used to... You know, because I was part of uh, the vineyard. Yes. First vineyard church yeah. in, in, in England when it was planted yeah. here. And so I got to do all the John Wimber conferences mm-hmm. and when he came over and that whole time move of God there. So I was I was Mr. Worship for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think but and I still you know, obviously I, I love I love that that side to me not being able to, to make music and mm-hmm. but, but uh, and worship. But um I think for me what really struck me because I, I think that the thing with worship is that there's vertical worship, right. you know, that when we worship Him in prayer mm-hmm. and song, and then there's horizontal worship mm-hmm. when we when we go into prisons or, yeah. or in our, you know, Romans twelve one, you know, this, you know, offer your lives as a sacrifice, living sacrifice, yes. which is your spiritual worship. That's right. So your every day yeah. is worship. In Matthew twenty five, all these things. Uh, so you've got this, and I, and I, I, I just found that the, the emphasis, the imbalance, can really happen when you think. Worship is just this musical thing that right. happens, and especially as musicians, I, I, you, you can love it so much because you feel that this is what you were born to do. Yeah. You know, to stand there and worship God, and you were born to yeah. worship. But but worship is is horizontal as well as vertical. Yes. And uh, you know, if it's if it's just one thing that you think it worship is, and I, and I just felt that there was kind of a kind of a trap. Mm-hmm. In this, in this, just doing this worship thing all the time. If if there wasn't the balance of the horizontal, where you offer your bodies to live in sacrifice every day, and by your choices, you know how you live, that people would see yeah. and know that Jesus is alive. Amen. You haven't you haven't sung a song to them no. in any way. You just live. That's right. You know. It's... But um, so I, you know, I, I felt in that whole time as much as I love it. And still of it, and I know that that's what we're born to mm-hmm. do. And it's not second best to being in a in a pop in a rock band, no. you know, playing worship. It's actually a very high calling, yeah. but um, it, it's not the whole deal. No. It's not the whole deal at all. No. Your life is 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 the worship. That's it. You, know, you worship during your life, and then the, the song song worship comes out of the soil of a, an obedient life. Absolutely, uh, every day and. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy with the way, the way that uh, things have gone. Really. That's terrific. Yeah. You know. Well, Bryn, thank you so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. I, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this, and I can't wait till we get it on the air. I will certainly be in touch with you about how that went. Uh, thank you for being our guest today on Time Machine, and uh, God bless you. Thank you.